Congratulations, you made it to the X-Fill. You can sit back, relax, unpack your bags. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Eric, a.k.a. Ronald here, and with me as always is my co-host, MTB Trigger, a.k.a. Mike. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us for that journey. As a reminder, we are 100% listener-supported, except for the occasional sponsored episodes, so keep your ears open for when we do those. Tonight, we are going to get into some strategy topics. We're going to get into what setting goals looks like for us and really what that means to us and things like, you know, getting to level 20, setting a trader goal for a different milestone, maybe even like event participations, like what we want to get out of those things, like the recent Shoreline event. And of course, all this and the inevitable rabbit holes that we'll dive down. But first, let's catch up on our weeks in Tarkov. Trigger, how's your week been? Oh, man, it's been good. And actually, I would say that the last couple weeks have been really good. Uh, My gaming time continues to be a bit limited, but that seems to be opening up, at least getting in pockets of time, not necessarily a bunch of like, you know, three hour, four hour gaming sessions, which I have had a few recently, which has been nice, but I've had a a bunch of raids, you know, and the the cool part about that is in the last couple weeks, uh, you and I have got the chance to do a lot of raids together, speaking towards those goals that you were talking about. Uh, It's been really fun pressing towards level 20, which is one that I know we're going to talk about. We'll talk about some other stuff, but it's been really cool to get a bunch of duo raids in. And since I know we're going to talk about a lot of raid stories, I do have one raid story that comes to mind, and it was actually a scav raid we did during the event. And I remember, you know, hearing like the, I don't know, second or third day that this was going on that you know, Rashala and Sanitar were 100% spawn rate. They were on Shoreline and then loot was nerfed on other maps like graphics cards were harder to find and labs got nerfed. And this is all the rumors that were coming out, right? And there's a point where I wasn't sure if it was just like nerd rumors, you know, like somebody had it happen one raid so that they go tell the whole internet that <laughs> this is this is fact and this is what's going on now. And I remember we had some uh, harder quests to do. So we're like, let's let's start off with a with a scav raid. Where do you want to go? And, you know, Ronald's like, well, theoretically that that event's going on. So, you know, the resort is probably just a loot pinata. And I was like, I don't know. It's, you know, maybe like, I don't know if that's true or not. And <laughs> so we we uh, scav in, mosey our way up to resort. We don't hear anything. And we get up there And we walk in the east side and we're towards the helicopter, right? So we're on the south side of resort and we're in our glorious scav gear. I think I had a Taz. Uh, I think you had a better scav loadout than I did, but I definitely had a Taz with like eight total shots. And we walk in and there are dead bodies everywhere. I mean, there's like five dead bodies on the first floor of east. So we start kind of picking those apart. And then we start hearing fighting in West. So we're like, okay, we got to pick this out and get out of here. Well, I go upstairs to the second story of East, just thinking, 
I want to make sure no someone's not running across the breezeway to us. There's three more dead bodies up there. So then we start pilfering through that. And as we're finishing that up, and I think both of us just had a bunch of loot. I mean, we had, I, I know I had a beta two bag with a tri-zip in it. And I know you had a bunch of loot as well. Well, then the rest of the scavs showed up. And at this point, we look like PMCs because we, we pulled ULAX, we had big bags, we had, I think I had a Vepper at this point that was suppressed. I don't remember what happened. I just remember breaking my leg and starting a heavy bleed or something, and I didn't have any meds. So I'm hobbling out the front of East, and I'm like, dude, get out of here. Just leave me. I've got a heavy bleed. And Eric's like, dude, I have a, I have a grizzly. I've got a grizzly. No, no, no. This is going to work. So he's, he throws the grizzly. We're working up the brick wall, like towards, you know, the rock faced on East. And he throws the grizzly. I snag it. And then we have a scav that comes out the East entrance. And then one that was on the second story jumping up onto the balcony and shooting at us. So we're like hiding underneath the ledges from the balconies. We're moving back there. I'm healing a fracture, a heavy bleed. And Ronald's like, I'm covering, I'm covering. Get healed and we got to get out of here. So I have a blacked leg, but I also had an adrenaline syringe. So I pop the adrenaline, which has a short pain killing effect, throw the grizzly back and we're being chased by this other scav squad because we look like PMCs and we end up making it down the mountain. And then from there, it got easier. It wasn't quite as intense, but it was just this like amazing, like, okay, here's what could happen on this map. This event may make the map a little bit different, even on a scav. And we just ended up having this amazing, like looting confirmation of the event and then subsequent PVP battle and like heal off and trying to get out with cover fire. And just, I mean, it was an amazing raid. And it all happened on the scav raids, which, you know, recently I've just been feeling like they're so safe. And then to have that happen was just like an amazing start to the last couple weeks of of Tarkov. So I don't know if you were going to talk about that one as well, but that was just like, I keep thinking back to that scav raid as just this amazing moment on Shoreline. So yeah, I mean, you, I know you got a lot to talk about with your leveling and everything like that, but uh, how, how was your week as well? Oh, it's been a great couple of weeks and that particular raid was was awesome. I mean, there's no reason to give up when you're on a scav and I was not going to just, you know, leave you there. So you were slow walking and healing and I was walking backwards, aiming towards that door on east and shooting at that guy every time he peeked and we just got out of there. It was, uh, it was, it was pretty cool. You know, you know what I just realized? I bet he was shooting the Taz that I dropped, right? Oh, that's hilarious. He never really did anything, but it was like that like bolt sort of action where he would like shoot, unpeak and shoot. I wonder if I dropped the toss and that's what he had. <laughs> it might have because I mean, what is he really going to have right at that point? We had cleaned out that particular area pretty good. But yeah, that was some pretty intense scaving in Shoreline and just cleaning out the resort. I spent most of my scav runs in this past week just going the middle of the day, running right to resort. And especially if you're under 15 minutes, just vacuuming up all of the loot that was hanging out in resort. And it was just pretty crazy. Obviously, a pretty fun event for everybody involved. And um, really interesting that a byproduct of that was scabbing and pulling out a bunch of gear. You know, in general, this wipe has been kind of interesting for me. I finally pushed through past level 20. 
got some game time in the last two weeks and was able to push past level 20, get to level 26, almost 27 right now. It's been kind of a long grind, to be honest with you, but it's not all Tarkov's fault. I've had a busy summer, you know, with real life, and so it kind of cut down on some some gaming time. Don't have any regrets about that, but still, uh, still cut down on my gaming time. And, you know, we, we both had some job stuff that kind of cut into our gaming time a little bit, so we're getting back into it, and it feels great to be uh, talking about Tarkov again behind the microphone with you. But I've kind of felt behind a little bit, and then at the same time, I've kind of realized that the way that the wipe is kind of progressing, I really was never that far behind, and which was kind of an interesting thing to kind of realize because I was able to really solo a lot of quests and push through a lot of things with really not great gear. But having the flea market push so far out forced a lot of either scavenging for guns or whatever, but building guns and just using whatever I had trader access to, right? You know? I got really good at building low-end guns, and I really think that's kind of cool. I think that's kind of bumped up my gun building knowledge in the last couple of weeks, probably higher than it has been. So I'm actually, in a way, kind of thankful for that. But as far as actually playing, I've done a bunch of quests. I mean, I've probably done 25 quests in the last two weeks and just kind of dove into Tarkov and really, really had a great time doing it. I've spent a lot of time playing at night. So I picked up the cheap NVGs from Peacekeeper. I think it's Peacekeeper. Or is it Skier? It's between Peacekeeper and Skier. You buy the helmet, you buy the mount, and then you buy the... There, there's two mounts. There's the NVG and there's the helmet that you buy. And so you put that together and it's it's maybe 60,000 rubles, 70,000 rubles for the whole thing. Something somewhere along those lines. I put that together and I've been using that quite a bit in my my rating to get tasking done. So I've gotten used to kind of playing at night with scopes and it's really kind of interesting spotting enemies because Tarkov has such a wide variety of weather. And so in the weather at night especially, and as we get into some strategy stuff later on in the show, you know, we can we can dive more into that. But that's been a big part of my gaming this week and one particularly memorable raid I had was as a PMC in customs, actually, of all places. I did play a lot of Shoreline, but in customs, I was in there and I had to go into dorms. To, I had to get two things out of dorms. So, I mean, in, in a perfect world, I would have gotten two items out of dorms. I don't remember exactly what they were, but I remember I had to go to the first floor and the third floor to get two things out of dorms. And then I had to kill 15 more scavs. And so this is a perfect world, right? So I managed to get to dorms and I managed to get in and get out, no problems. And I'm like, huh, well, and there's like 27 minutes left. I think it was 27 minutes left. And so I have to make my way over to trailer park to exit. So I thought, well, I, I got to get at least a couple scav kills. And I end up getting kind of pinned between two groups of PMCs that are fighting each other. They don't know I'm there. I didn't give away my position right away. And this is kind of by gas station. And I kind of waited for the battle to kind of play itself out a little bit. And I ended up sitting there for a solid three minutes while bullets are flying over my head. But I could see both groups scoping in. And it took a lot of restraint not to fire. <laughs> so much restraint. So I'm sitting there with an 8R with a Valde on it, okay? And so I'm I'm scoped in. I've got a silencer, but that's still pretty loud when you fire. Yeah, I was going to say, I know you, then I know there was a silencer on that ADAR. <laughs> yep. And this is before I was level 20. So I'm using M855 as my ammo. 
so it's still pretty loud, and I'm, I was definitely in a position where I was going to be in trouble if I gave away too much. So I'm just waiting and waiting, and eventually one of the teams won. It was two teams of two, and the second team was waiting because, you know, you make a bunch of noise when there's a battle, right? They're waiting, and I was really proud of myself as far as, like, raid progression and strategy. I sat there. It was six minutes total. And I waited and waited and they walked almost right past me. I got them both. And so I ended up looting all four of the PMCs and then worked my way out and actually killed seven scavs. It was one of the best raids I've ever had. So four PMCs, seven scavs and two quest items and and a customs night run while I'm wearing night night vision. (laughs) It was awesome, man. It was one of the coolest raids I've ever had. So that was that was awesome. I've had, you know, just some some really high highs and some really low lows. Definitely donated a lot of gear along the way, but I'm really enjoying it. And uh, I'd say overall, it's been a great couple of weeks. That's awesome. You said a couple things there I want to dig into. I, I want to talk about the event because I don't know if it was like 15 or 20 episodes ago. It's been a while, but we talked about the gas shortage, which kind of happened in the, I don't know, early middle of last wipe. And it was the first time they had really done a longer event, uh, at least while we played, and we really talked about wanting to see more events in the game. And we obviously had some really fun scav raids. We did some shoreline raids where, I mean, frankly, I got owned a couple times because of that event. You know, I think there's some people that charged headfirst into the resort, and then the people that are really good at using the map and the timing of the maps against other players you know, they worked the perimeters. And there was uh, two situations where I got absolutely sniped. I don't even know where on the south side of the resort during this event with someone who was probably just waiting to kill people who did all the looting inside. But you were talking about getting stuff done. You know, for those that either, you know, maybe you're not playing the game right now, or you haven't done a lot of shoreline, or you dismiss this event. For me, it was it was really neat. Because oftentimes, whether it's PUBG or Tarkov or WoW or whatever game that I'm really digging into at the time, I usually know the patch notes or get made aware of them really quick or someone tells me about them. But for some reason, this event I completely missed. I popped the stream up the night that that raid happened. So there is a video recording on Twitch of that raid if you really wanted to go search it out. You know, so there's some people in chat saying, like, do you know about the event? Do you know what's going on? And I think one of the amazing parts about this event, not knowing about it going in and having that internal battle around, was it real? Is somebody just telling me what they read on Reddit? And it doesn't mean anything. But to experience it live and to feel the gameplay change on Shoreline and to experience different results and to just break the norm of what I'm used to on Shoreline was a really incredible feeling. And I think back to when we were talking about the fuel shortage, which nobody liked the fuel shortage. It definitely changed gameplay, but man, there was a lot of people frustrated with how expensive it got, how long it went on. And I think for us, we looked at the opportunity to have more unique events and they've talked about having, you know, 160 plus planned events and, you know, having Rashala coming to Shoreline to buy drugs for you know, a couple days or a week was a really neat one. But I rarely get to experience them live with no knowledge ahead of time. And this is where I just have to give great credit to Battlestate. I think this was a phenomenal event. I don't think it lasted too long. 
I think that there's a lot of feelings out in the community that this could be a longer wipe and there wasn't a whole lot of content. And having events that really change the maps up can really affect that in a positive way. And the reason I got to thinking about this while you were talking is I don't know how much of the questing you did was done while this event was live, but I would encourage everybody that when an event goes live, such as Rashala and Sanitar 100% spawn rate on Shoreline, you can bet that the players that are fully geared and have been grinding the game and have a lot of money to burn, they are going to be on Shoreline and they're going to be grinding it out and they're going to be going and experiencing this event. So if you're trying to level or get something else done, this is your time, man. If you've got a quest that's hard, get on the other maps because in general, I think the population of really geared players was on Shoreline for this time. And I'm not saying that's why you had that amazing customs run, but maybe it played into it. I don't know. What do you think about that? Oh, that definitely happened. I did a lot of tasks on customs, a couple of tasks on interchange, and I haven't unlocked the Shoreline tasks yet. So I'm mostly questing on customs and interchange and woods. And I was able to get some tasks that last wipe were very difficult for me to get done uh, quite a bit easier this time around. And I think it's because you're right, the people that have already pushed past that point were having fun on shoreline and maybe were not doing their normal rotation because maybe they didn't, they were having more fun playing shoreline. And I think that that's kind of, uh, you know, an interesting byproduct of events like this, how it can draw certain groups of players, all types of play styles too. This is not a play style thing. It'll just draw all groups of players into one area. Like say they do an event on reserve or they do an event on interchange. It'll kind of shift around and do that. And I think that that happened and it presented kind of an opportunity to get some other things done and, you know, an opportunity to participate too, because I ran into Shoreline a few times and had some fun myself. So I think, yeah, you're right. I I got some quests done and it might've been easier arguably because of the event. Yeah. I I just think that's really neat, you know, and I think that there's, you know, as we look towards a persistent game or no more wipes or whatever Battlestate does in the future, you know, this just brings so much opportunity. You know, we've had the economy-based events with the fuel shortage, and now we've had the kind of PvE element or the end game PvE, which is having, you know, two bosses and their goons all in the same spot, which it doesn't matter who you are, that is a dangerous pack. Right now, there's there's people that probably mowed them down over and over and over, you know, but I think for most groups like having two bosses and potential for what, four to seven raiders or uh, boss goons is uh, I mean, that's a that's a legitimate uh, challenge to overcome, especially because of things like the noise that it generates. And, you know, you're not going to just wipe those guys out without making any noise. There's going to be grenades because it's Rashala and trying to get those, you know, goons to move around, you usually have to have grenades. And I just the PvP that was surrounding the event was just neat. And so I just this is something to pay attention to, not only from what can I gain by participating in the event, which is the potential for an insane amount of loot, and just a ton of experience. And then the PvP, if you're after that, but back to my original thought was, you know, if there's things that you're trying to do, There's a magnet within Shoreline, which you can use to your advantage on the map, or you can use the the magnet on Shoreline to go play other maps and take advantage of that. But play style is really 
a good point. You know, if you're looking for PvP, this is an obvious choice for that. But if you kind of like to play slower and strategic, I think Shoreline was probably an amazing map because, you know, finding a spot to set up or as a solo or if you were a squad and controlling the perimeter of resort, I got dominated a few times because of that. In the moment, of course, I'm frustrated because I don't know where it came from. But I'm like, man, like the shoreline is different right now. <laughs> so anyway, I, I love that you were talking about it and I wanted to bring it up. But like I said before, there was something else that jumped out to me that I wasn't expecting when you were talking about your raids this week. And you mentioned that you did like 25 quests and the vast majority of them were at night. Now, the reason that that jumped out to me is for one, that means you've been really effective while we weren't playing together because we didn't run any night raids together, <laughs> which I but I wanted to talk about that because I know we planned on talking about strategy and, you know, setting a target specifically for level. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're targeting level 13, level 20, level 32, level 40. I think we both have thoughts about getting that done and some mindsets and some real strategy around it. But I guess I wanted to kick that over to you to start and talk to you about your experience running those night raids, because that's something that I really don't ever do unless it's a task that requires night vision until I'm higher level and have money and can use the uh, GPNVGs. I don't really mess with night vision. So I was hoping you'd kind of kick the strategy conversation off with the night vision piece. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Night vision is something this wipe I wanted to focus on and have really enjoyed getting better with. I, I'm not using the expensive night vision. I'm using the cheap one quite intentionally. At first, it was because I didn't have access. You know, now I can buy it in the flea market, but you know, why spend all of that rubles on the, the upgraded helmet and the upgraded mounts? Everything's more expensive with the GPMVGs. So aside from that, you know, the reason I'm excited about night vision this wipe is because I have intentionally broken up my tasking into two different categories. And this is how I kind of pushed through level 20 kind of quickly and really got kind of caught up in my mind, even though, again, being behind in Tarkov is really a <laughs> an individual thing. But I, I pushed forward and I divided my tasks into two categories, PvP and finding crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's like in Tarkov, you either have to go find something and stash it somewhere or you have to do some PvP or PvE, you know, scav, PvE or whatever. And so I thought, well, for the finding and stashing piece of it, I'm going to primarily use nighttime and use night vision and use cover and use a slower type of playstyle to push through all of that and be very intentional with my using that strategy. And that really worked well. And for the PvP tasks and for the killing of scav tasks, I did a lot of those during the day. But as the result of doing things at night, things like sniper scavs, things like scavs that spawn in certain places that are always consistent, if I'm on shoreline or customs or woods, I'm just going to take a look in those directions, right? You know, every time I'm on the map and I may get one or two. And that's exactly what ended up happening. The first quest of customs where you have to kill, I think, 25 scavs, that ended up, I ended up getting 21 of the 25 scavs doing other quests primarily and just killing scavs at night. Because one of the other things that happens at night is, generally speaking, there are less PMCs seeking PvP. And because it's harder, it's just harder. If your primary 
mode of playing and your primary interest in Tarkov is to PvP, nighttime's not going to be as fun for you because it's just not, it, it, it's just harder to do that particular play style. And I don't enjoy doing it intentionally. I don't enjoy having PvP as my main focus of the raid at night either because it's just not as not as fun, right? Well, right. And I think a number of things happen at night, right? When it's daytime, the entire map is playable in a way. And I think that at night, because of the light situation, you either have to make noise to make the area playable, but then when all the lights are shot out, you've told an enemy PMC, like, (laughs) don't come here because we've got it set up. And it just makes it interesting. So even just on the surface of how the vision works, it's harder to PvP. That's a piece that I just haven't really dug into. You're probably right. I mean, you go on a night raid and it's not to PvP. In the past, I've I've gone for like high-end PvP on factory at night, because that's kind of how you used to do it before Tagila was a thing. But that's a that's a really interesting take. And I guess again, not having done a whole lot of night raids, um, especially this wipe, I've done a handful. I I guess I uh, I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, and there's a couple of different types of nights in Tarkov too. So you have to keep in mind weather's a huge factor. I would specifically look on customs, for example, if I had to go to dorms, I waited until it was night and it was raining. And it was very intentional because really the loot runners are going to go to dorms at night when it's raining. So I, I didn't approach dorms until about 25 minutes left. And the only thing that was up there was a, was scavs. And it might have been a player scav, I don't know, but you know, I was geared enough where that was not a problem. But, you know, marked rooms already hit, doors already open. As a matter of fact, the room that I needed to get my quest item from was already open. You know, so other people had already done some work there. And that's fine. That's fine. My goal was to get my loot item, get out and survive. That was my primary mission. And that was where I was working. I wasn't intentionally seeking fights or seeking scab kills or anything. And and in that rain situation, it covers your sound. And as long as you stay out of the more well-lit areas, you can sneak around at night in rain and get a lot of things done. This came into play with the customs director's office quests. Did a couple of them up there where you have to, especially the breach door quest where you have to key in and not get killed. And then you have to breach. And if there's anybody around, they know exactly what you're doing. And they're just going to be lined up staring at the catwalk entrance for you to come out in. If you do that at night when it's raining, the odds of that happening are less because it's harder to hear that breach noise. And so I found that tasking on some of those maybe harder tasks, especially for newer players, the stashing and the finding of quest items for me, night rain was was the way to go about doing that. Now, there's an entirely different type of night, which is the night clear sky with the moon out, which is almost in some instances lit well enough where you don't even need MVG and NVG can be something that's a disadvantage to you because the amount of light that's being reflected and being, you know, amplified by the NVG is is really going to make it hard for you to see. So I think weather and night combined with night vision probably is where I've learned the most and practiced the most and gotten probably the most experience with. Yeah. And bringing up the weather and especially that clear moonlit night scenario. There's something to keep in mind when you're doing night vision raids, and this is another reason why I don't do them all the time. Depending on your settings that you have in the post-FX graphics settings for adjusting the sharpness and just how the game looks most of the time, 
my experience has been a lot of the guides are set up for post effects settings for better sighting of enemies in wooded environments, so outside. The issue is if you use those post effects settings and you run night vision, those post effects settings really wash out uh, your vision while you have night vision on. It's why I don't run a lot of them because you have to turn off your post effects or you have to have different settings for it. And notably, this happens on factory really bad. You know, so if you use a normal like you know, sharpness setting for spotting people in the woods. If you go run a night vision raid on factory, you can see almost nothing. So I have to turn my post FX off and then back on, which again, it's a click of a button, but sometimes you forget about it. And doing that at the start of a factory raid is really not what you want to be doing because sometimes those first three seconds matter. And so paying attention to that little weather icon, you can oftentimes get a glimpse on the kind of pre-raid screen when you're selecting the time we were questing a few times and it was like, oh, well, we want to do a early morning raid and it's, you know, one o'clock in the morning. So let's go run a scav so that when the scav run is done, we can get in there at like four or five a.m. because a lot of people won't queue in there and we can start it in the dark, you know, loot around, hit some scavs. And then when it starts to brighten up, we can um, we can be moving around a little easier. So I think you brought up a really good point in paying attention to the weather and what time of day it is. Not just from a, hey, try night raids sometimes, but you can really kind of take advantage of those early morning or late evening raids where if you go into a late evening raid and you take night vision, there may be a lot of people in there that didn't think to do that. You know, so if you can find a way to be on the map for a little longer, you may find yourself alone because a lot of people don't scav in at night because they don't have night vision. And I think that's the last piece of night vision, which I really need to consider more is that player scavs are probably far fewer and the ones that do hit the map on nighttime raids, they're far less dangerous. You know, you can't get <laughs> you can't get randomly, uh, you know, shot out of a bush or across the street from somebody that doesn't have NVGs. So you kind of eliminate some of that player scav risk, which I think is an interesting component as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things you said there was picking that dusk or dawn time. And that is something that actually bit me the first time. I didn't realize how quickly that transition happens. I scabbed, or I didn't scab in. I PMC'd in at like 4.45 in the morning, and it was dark. But the sun was coming up on shoreline. By the time I had spent 40 minutes in that raid, it was daytime. That totally changes the dynamic of the raid. And it was really interesting because the first round of scabs that came in were just normal, didn't feel threatening. But the last round of scavs were definitely player scavs. And it was, a, it was a totally different experience. I was up near resort and I was working my way back towards um, Road to Customs. And sure enough, all of a sudden, scavs come in at the bus station and they're definitely not, you know, they're not AI scavs. And it was a totally different thing, right? And I wasn't totally expecting that. It's an interesting point. And that dusk to dawn, and then the same is true. I had a raid where I started at at 20, you know, 8 o'clock on customs. I actually ended up not having NVG because I didn't think I'd need it. And it got pitch black and raining and I couldn't see anything. And it was like, I, I, I almost got lost. And I know customs very, very, very well. And I almost got lost just because I had a hard time seeing where I was. And the sniper scav can still see you for some reason. And so... You know, the sniper scab was shooting at me while I was in the construction yard, and I ended up getting out of that raid in old gas. 
and just basically trying to survive. And I got a little bit disorientated and it changes very, very quickly. So if you're going to do a dusk or a dawn, just be very cognizant of that. And uh, it's really interesting how quickly that can totally change the whole dynamic of the raid and what you are expecting. And then how you play when what you are expecting doesn't happen or what you were planning for just totally doesn't happen. And and you just all of a sudden you potato and you're like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never miss shots. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. It's true. It's just me. It's just me. <laughs> no, I never uh, I never run into the metal crate on factory with a pistol as a guy's trying to complete his uh, his. What is that darn quest? Oh, yeah. The one where you pick it up in customs and, and um, store it in factory. Why can't I think of it? I'm really bad with the names of the quests. I know what they all are. Delivery like from the do. past. Yes, delivery, delivery from, the, from past. the past. There you go. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. We're on Factory and we did the pistol run because we just kept getting owned. And I'm like, oh, this guy ran in there. He's planting. And I shot him in the knee and he went prone. And I sprint around the corner and I unload my entire like 16 rounds left of uh, AP 6-3 and just didn't kill him. <laughs> Yeah, you Dang know, so, sometimes that happens. But then on, on Nighttime Factory, on the flip side of that, we had a Nighttime Factory raid where, where you did die, but then I actually lived and was able to do two quests. That was an interesting raid because it's Nighttime Factory, and there was a PMC hunting me, and I was totally defensive because he had the upper hand. He never found me. I ended up killing a bunch of scabs along the way, and he never found me, and I ended up getting two of the planting quests in the... Uh, the quest where you pick up the syringe in the file cabinet drawer. Yeah. Got that done that and got awesome. out. You know, and, and so it's just a totally, it's just so crazy what can happen. So. Well, it is. And, you know, I, I kind of derailed us there. And I think we could talk about the, <laughs> the all the raid stories we have, which maybe we should. I don't know. You know, I, I want to circle back to your your favorite phrase. Circle back. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we've had a lot of funny conversations about about uh, our, our fun corporate speak and the phrases that get, you know, they go away for a while and come back and circle back is one that I think we've both heard a lot of recently. But anyway, circling back to the uh, the old original concept here, you know, you talked about goal setting, you talked about hitting level 20, you talked about why you did all these quests. And I think there's some more around not just goal setting, but hitting specific levels. And and I kind of mentioned that it doesn't really matter what the sub goal is, whether it's getting a trader unlocked or getting the flea market unlocked or, you know, getting a specific part available through a quest line that you have to get to. But I think it's worth looking at that in this process because it's so fresh for you having targeted level 20. And now you've kind of zoomed past that. But also for me, while I was doing quests helping you um, in the earlier phases, right, when you were in the early to middle teens is when we spent a lot of time um, raiding. And one of the things that jumped out to me as we were looking through tasks, right, you know, when, when I was committed to helping you, because again, you were feeling behind, I already had the flea market, and it was just the next goal that we wanted to accomplish together, right? And we kind of went through the task list and we're like, okay, what should we do? And there's a bunch of stuff that I had just recently done. And so I could verbally say this stuff, but for somebody that's trying to figure out like, how am I going to get the most experience I can with a limited amount of gameplay time? I think it's worth spending 10, 15, 20 minutes on the wiki and 
clicking through the quests and see what they lead to. And the reason I bring that up is there's a number of quest lines early on that are really challenging to complete or have you focused on getting items that aren't necessarily easy to get. And if you focus on that, they they have short chains, meaning they don't really lead to anything, right? So you could do all this stuff and then you turn it in and it's like, oh, well, that didn't give me any new quests. That kind of stinks. Whereas if you would have spent your time, say, working on Friend from the West and getting flash drives and then getting golden swag, which can be a really hard quest in in customs. If you press through those and then get to the point where you have friend from the West and then you unlock Peacekeeper, you open up so much opportunity for experience no matter what you're doing. And I guess that would be my encouragement is if you're trying to figure out where to go, it can be overwhelming to look at, you know, when even when you have five quests, but then later on when you have 20, it's like, okay, which one of these should I focus on? Take a step back, look at the wiki, click through what quest you have, and then click what it leads to. I think one of the things that we did really well was target the quests that, for one, are hard to do solo. I think we did a good job of that. You know, when you have a partner, you take advantage of it. (laughs) You know, it's like, hey, I need to kill scavs on woods. Will you run around and protect me? Yeah, sure, fine. You know, I need to do some looting on woods, and we we had great success there. We I think we killed uh, we killed Sherman a couple times. And had some great PvP there and got out with good loot. But anyway, I wanted to bring that up in this conversation and then lead that into, you know, what did you learn this time around pushing towards level 20 that you kind of were takeaways? My key takeaways are really breaking up Tarkov into a couple different buckets of management. The first is definitely quest management and understanding the different quest lines, where they go. And you're right, you know, the first time that you do this, you're not going to know that, but the wiki is there, take full advantage of it, drop into Discord, ask questions. There's plenty of people that will help you understand the path that can get you to your goal the quickest, whatever that goal is. So ask your questions, talk about what you want to do in Discord, and it's great. For me, what I was mostly looking to do was get through things that I already knew, knew what to do. And then push through things that I'd forgotten about, right? Because, you know, it's been a while since we did these quests. And then try to figure out the most efficient way to do it. And that really leads to my really second major bucket is stash management and money management until you get to level 20. And now they have made some considerable changes. And the biggest one is early on, they made a change where you can buy a scav junk box at level one now for a million rubles. And to me, that turned into okay, I can now manage my stash a little bit better. And I I haven't had any trouble finding things. And because of the scav karma change, scaving has become quite a bit less risky. So you can run around, make a bunch of noise, fill up and get out much, much, I would say like almost 100% of the time now. It's fair. I mean, it's, it's so rare to get into any kind of gun battle scaving or have any danger that you are filling up your stash quickly before you have the flea market. Now you can sell to the traders, which is very important, but you're filling up your stash quickly and you need to maintain stash management. You don't want to get out of a scav raid full of loot and nowhere to put it. That's the worst when you're leveling, don't have the flea market, struggling for money or whatever. That's the worst. So I was able to have good stash management. By the time I got to level 20, I had four scav junk boxes full of stuff. Part of the problem is you know, having some experience now with the game, you know, this is not our first wipe. And so we're we're excited about our journey in Tarkov as the XFIL is documented. I kind of remembered things that I'm going to need later that are harder to find. 
So things like power supplies, things like motors, water filters, uh, the big air filter thing, canister, you know, stuff like that. I, I started keeping all that stuff instead of selling it to a trader. And it just started to take up more space, more and more space. But stash management is a huge, huge thing. So you don't have access to cases really at all. You get two ammo boxes from a, for a quest reward. I think if you can unlock therapist level two, you get access to maybe buying a med case or trading for one or something. But you don't have a lot of access to cases really. So you have to really work on that. Once you have your stash management strategy kind of down, and then when you get your quest management strategy and you understand the progression of different pieces, and that's kind of where I wrote it down on a piece of paper, man. I, I, had, I knew which ones I was going to do. I know in the past wipes, you've had a notepad that you've just kept a log of things you needed to get. And that's kind of what Tarkov turns into. It turns into you know a task list and you just kind of got to do it. And then I furthermore, this wipe found that for me and my play style, and this is not going to be like this for everybody, but it might help you. So I hope it does help somebody. But I found it more beneficial to then break down the tasks one level further between PvP and non-PvP, and then go down the night route to try to get the stuff done that we just uh, previously talked about. So I would say in general, I think stash management's the next really the big thing. And and don't get stuck on how much money you have, because rubles don't really mean anything in Tarkov. The only thing rubles mean is you have enough to buy your next loadout. <laughs> And if you don't, then do a scav run and you will. Or just use whatever you get from the scav run. I can't tell you how much I use the Kirsas that I got or, you know, the the level three tack rigs that I, I picked up. You know, I mean, all that stuff you get on a scav, it's like three quarters, usually three quarter hit points. You can repair it and you're good to go. I use many, many guns. Now, one of the interesting things to watch out for is the scav guns that you get could be damaged to the point where they're going to have problems. So if I had a gun that was less than 50% of its hit points, I sold it to fence right away and just got rid of it. I didn't actually use it in a raid. I had a couple of misfires, actually. I actually had a couple of malfunctions for the first time with guns that were under 50%, and that's the first time I'd ever experienced that. So I started getting rid of those guns. So using your scav efficiently, I think, is the key now to getting through these like early, not having access to the flea market kind of scenarios, as well as the other things I just mentioned. Yeah, and I think you brought up a really good point there about the scav guns having durability issues in a lot of scenarios. It can affect accuracy, it can affect all the misfires and the jamming and everything like that. One thing, while I, I agree with you that <laughs> rubles and Tarkov are you know, they're, it's really what your next loadout's going to be. And that's a hard thing for me to swallow because I like to see that ruble cushion, right? I like to know I can buy four loadouts in the future. But that's a me problem, not an everyone problem. But one of the things that you can do is sometimes it's really unfortunate when you pull like a SVDS or a gun that sells for a lot typically and you don't want to use it because its durability is really bad. Make sure that you're disassembling items and selling what you can to like mechanic and skier or even Jaeger because oftentimes you will get a lot more rubles than just selling the full gun to fence. Now, once you get to the flea market or if you're economically sound, it can be more of a time thing than it is a rubles thing. But if you're, you know, find yourself, you know, in lower ruble situations, whether you're grinding tasks and you're just dying a lot or you're using expensive loadouts, disassembling those guns that you can't sell directly to mechanic or skier can be a way to 
recover some of that money. So it, it wasn't as important in the past, but now that those guns can't be sold directly to you know mechanic or skier, they can be worth a lot more parting them out. Yeah, and as in addition to that, always attempt to sell your armor or bags or whatever you don't want to keep to Ragman first. Now, he's not going to buy things that are damaged beyond a certain point. He'll buy always buy tack rigs. He'll always buy bags because they don't have hit points. But armor and armored tack rigs, if they're damaged beyond a certain percentage, Ragman's not going to buy them. But always try to sell them to a Ragman first because you'll get quite a bit more than fence. Fence is the garbage can, you know, basically. (laughs) Fence is the garbage can, buys everything, you know, at terrible prices, right? So Yeah, I usually have problems getting spend up with Jaeger. So anymore, I've been dismantling guns, and then I go to Jaeger, see what he'll buy, go to Ragman, see what he'll buy, and then either mechanic or skier, depending on which one I needed spend for, and sell there. And then, you know, if I had stuff for therapist that was barter items, I'd go there and then defense with the rest. And you're right, Fence is kind of the dumpster. Yeah, he gets all the garbage. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Speaking of that, when you click through to his tab and you go see what other people sell to him and it's just like 50% like red shotguns, you know, (laughs) it's it's just the, the receiver or whatever it is. It's kind of funny to go look through what people sell to him. And then every now and then you'll see something in his list that's like, wait, what? Who sold that to Fence? You know, that'll be like a flash drive or something. And it's probably just someone that just doesn't want to deal with inventory management anymore and just sells stuff to them. But I find that super interesting. So, yeah, I want to round this conversation out and I want to give my kind of final tip for questing. And this is not level specific. And then we'll get Ronald's as we move towards the the exfil here. But the strategic tip for me, kind of the last tip I would give in leveling is And especially pre-level 20 when you can't buy keys, but it works after for those keys that are really expensive, like Ollie Logistics or West 306 in the resort. Make sure you know when you have the quests for those and try to pair them up with like scav quests, for example. And the reason I say that is if you stay on the map longer and you wait to go to resort or you wait to go to Ollie and, you know, say you go into the garage on interchange and, you know, kill four or five scavs loot around, maybe do a a Jaeger stash run around the outside, and then go check the logistics area or go check Emercom if you need the vitamins task item out of there. If you wait till later in the raid, you know, oftentimes the heavy PvP or the high tier loot is going to be picked through. And sometimes those correlate with keys for tasks. So on dorms, this worked for me over and over and over pre-level 20. I would take a suppressed gun in, like when I had the 25 scav kill, and I would just kind of park myself by Big Red or over by the gas station, new gas station, and kill like the sniper scav and the scavs that spawned in over there. And then after 20 or 25 minutes, I would just kind of slowly make my way into dorms. And it happened on three or four different tasks where I didn't have the key but those doors were open. They were unlocked. So I was able to just kind of stumble in, get what I need, get out. And I never ended up needing to get those keys. And it was funny because there's one of those quests that require you to turn in the key as part of the quest. And so I had to wait till level 20 and buy that key because I never found it, but I got the initial part done. So it it was really interesting. So that's just something to put in the back of your head is like, don't write a quest off because you don't have the key for it. Just be strategic about checking it and making sure to check it, take food and water into the raid, and and go there after the fact. And 
you know, it can be frustrating when you don't have a key or if you try to do this three or four times and it's not unlocked. But that time that it's open and you get the item and you successfully get out and you don't have to spend the 400000 on a key you need once, once you're level 20, it feels so good. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. So anyway, that's my that's my final tip for uh, strategic leveling advice. How about you? My final tip for tonight and rounding out the conversation about this is just to live. And what I mean by that is be very intentional with your raids. You're going to go in and you're always going to engage in all kinds of whatever random situations Tarkov throws at you, but have a plan. And don't be afraid to just leave early. If you have your task item and you're ready to go, and you're only in the raid for 11 minutes, but you survive and you get your quest done, you win. There is no set number of PMC or scab kills to say that that raid was good or bad. Tarkov's measure of success is really all about survival and living. And so my number one tip is to not get stuck in this mentality that Tarkov is a PvP game, that you have to go PvP or you're playing it incorrectly. Tarkov is a survival game, and you're playing it correctly when you survive. So be intentional with your raids. Have a plan around your entire raid experience. If you really want to progress in Tarkov, what you need to do is have a plan for your stash, have a plan for your raids, have a plan for how you're going to do it. Get that information from the wiki. Join us in Discord. There's lots of people playing every single day. We're here to help, and we want to help you with your plan, but have that plan. And your entire Tarkov experience overall is going to be so much better. It's going to be great. And so this is a great game, and it's actually fun when you dive into how complex you know you can actually make it and actually how much success can come from that. So that's it. That's my, my last tip for tonight. But I think that's about it. I can see the uh, green bar starting to flash, which means that we are moments away from disappearing. But before we do, I just want to say a special shout out to the community this week. Thank you to everyone who stuck with us. This is episode 75. We've been doing this for uh, a year and three quarters, roughly at this point in in our Tarkov journey. Thank you to everyone who's joined Discord. There's well over 2,000 plus of you now. It's been great. We've met a lot of fun people, gained with a lot of fun people. A special thank you and shout out to our patrons. It's amazing now we have patrons for over a year. People who give their real life money for us to uh, talk to the microphones about Tarkov. You guys are awesome. We appreciate uh, and love every one of you. And that's about it for me tonight. I hope you all have a great week. Awesome. And as for me, you can find me on Twitch a couple of days a week. That's been very unscheduled and rare recently, but it's been amazing popping on to those streams kind of with no schedule and, and having a bunch of people show up. So I appreciate that greatly. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter, Discord, or Twitch at MTB Trigger. So as always, thank you guys so much for listening and being a part of the Xfil community. Like Ronald said, make sure you get in the Discord if you need help. If you need uh, help with quests or just figuring out how to do stuff, ask questions in there. You can tag us. You can tag anybody that's in there. There's tons of people that are willing to help and give you all kinds of different strategies for how to get stuff done. So yeah, final reminder, uh, this show is also posted to YouTube. So if you want to watch it and see our reactions to when you know, somebody has a hot take or <laughs> you can see our faces, whether we agree or not, uh, make sure to check out YouTube at XP Media now. But as for us tonight, we've made it. We're there. The green bar's done. So good luck in your raids, folks, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. See you, everybody.